Hello and welcome to night number 11 of 31 Nights of Frights, year 4, the Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 11 takes us to one of the more popular Stephen King adaptations, and strangely enough, one of the most enduring as far as remakes and even sequels to this series. But we'll get into that a little bit further into the episode, so let's announce the movie. Starring Peter Horton and Linda Hamilton, this is the 1984 Fritz Kirsch directed Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn tells the story of Bert and Vicky, who wind up getting trapped in the town of Gatlin, Nebraska. Bert and Vicky wind up finding that the town of Gatlin is inhabited only by ultra-religious children, with anyone over the age of 18, well, they must be killed, or in this case, sacrificed to he who walks behind the rose. Also, the one to lead the children is a young boy preacher known as Isaac, who appears to have direct connection to He Who Walks Behind the Rose. As far as adaptations go, this is one that is a very loose adaptation. I know that for a fact because I did read the story in Stephen King's Night Shift book. One of the things that impressed me about the original story was that As close as the movie stuck to the original story, it's also quite different, especially with its ending, with the story's ending being much, much darker and bleak. We'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. I want to try to focus more on the movie and not on the short story, as I made a promise to myself. We wouldn't compare too hard with the adaptation to the original source material. Children of the Corn for me is one of the Stephen King adaptations that I remember seeing quite a bit when I was a kid. I'd never realized how boring the actual story can be because this movie definitely drags. Once things kick in a little bit more into high gear, it's actually better for it. The setup just doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's very simple. We don't get enough, in my opinion, to justify what is happening. I would actually like to know how the visionary preacher, Isaac, I would love to know how and why this demonic presence spoke to him. Of course, we're not really told that it's a demonic presence because he seems to be telling the word of God. In a lot of ways, it makes me think that God and the devil here in this story, in this world, are working side by side. Or maybe Isaac is a false prophet where he's pretending to be preaching the word of the good Lord and in reality is preaching the word of the devil. It seems to be implied that that's the case. We never get a true, yes, this is what is actually happening. The impressive thing for me with this story, with this movie, is the fact that anyone over the age of 18 must be sacrificed. It's truly interesting because it seems like he who walks behind the rose and Isaac are preying on children, mostly because they would be more impressionable, more open to doing things, horrible things, such as killing their parents and killing any adult influence in the town of Gatlin. The opening scene of the film is a disturbing one as far as showing the children 
killing the adults in the diner. I think it's impressive that the film was bold enough to open with such a violent opening. That part right there, though, is probably one of the closest things we would get to outright mean-spirited violence because the rest of the film is a relatively tame affair, or at least it is in my opinion. Children of the Corn definitely has some standout scenes. I love the scene of the sacrifice of Isaac, along with Isaac's return. I always enjoyed the sacrifice scene with seeing that cross made out of corn and spinning up into the air where it's like being shot out of the ground. Along with the moments of seeing the ground and the soil shifting, it's a very unique, very iconic scene to this movie. And honestly, the series in general. We get a couple of interesting scenes along the way too, such as the painting of a pentagram on one's chest when you are at your 18th birthday on your birthday day. Congrats, you're 18. You get to be sacrificed. Can't think of a better way to spend my 18th birthday. I think some of these special effects in the film are okay, but they're a little bit on the rough side. They don't really hold up, especially with some of the animation. We never get to see the actual he who walks behind the rose because this film is a low budget movie. That's right, it was made for under a million bucks, which is impressive. It's just sad to think of what could have been. In another moment of what could have been, originally the script was written by Stephen King himself. However, it was unused. It was determined by film producers that it was unusable. The only thing I can think of is that Stephen King wanted to include his dark and bleak ending, and producers were having none of it. I can't imagine that Stephen King's original script would have deviated too much from the original material, the original story. It's a very simple story. The only thing I can think of is that ending might not have given everybody that happy Hollywood ending that the film does present. In the original story, Vicky and Bert do not make it out alive. Vicky is sacrificed, which that scene is somewhat shown in the movie, but she's rescued at just the right moment. Even with not using the original Stephen King screenplay for this film, I think it has enough Stephen King flair that makes it a worthwhile viewing. I have to say I really did like Bert's monologue to the children saying that what kind of god is a god without love. The dialogue has a little bit of a poetic type of flair to it that almost made me think, what if the children are right? Maybe the god that everybody has their thoughts of, that he's kind, caring, loving, this and that. Well, maybe that's not the case. Maybe God is a vengeful being. For me not necessarily believing in God or a higher power, it's just a kind of interesting thought that what if everybody is wrong? Or maybe I'm thinking too far out. I will have to say I enjoy John Franklin as Isaac. That kid was 24 when this movie was made. You can even see some of his wrinkles that he has when they're trying to make him look younger than what he actually is. That's right, you can actually see some of the makeup that is on his face in some scenes. But I gotta say the kid gives a great performance. I love his voice. He sounds kind of like a kid, kind of like an adult. He's never not creepy, and he's very believable. You believe that he believes every word that he's saying. 
others in the film, such as Linda Hamilton as Vicky. It's nice to see her in something else than a Terminator film. I know she's been in various other things, but it's just a welcome appearance here. Peter Horton as Bert also turns in a pretty good performance in the film. So I said about this movie being a relatively simple film, a simple story. It's all the more mind-blowing that there appears to be nine films in the series, and there's two remakes of the first film. So that is a total of 11 films based off of Children of the Corn. This is a series and a franchise that Bob and Harvey Weinstein decided to milk much the way they did the Hellraiser series. And from what I've seen of the sequels, they just continue to get worse and worse as they go on. Where I can find some merit from the Weinsteins produced Hellraiser films, I have a hard time finding a lot of merit with what I saw over the years of some of the Children of the Corn sequels. I think probably the second and third film in the series were somewhat enjoyable. I think the third one goes a little bit too far as far as showing he who walks behind the rose, he winds up being a big demon creature that is a screaming mad George creation, which I guess is okay considering the original Children of the Corn film here was supposed to show he who walks behind the rose and it was in fact a big demon creature. So I guess hats off to them for including something that was supposed to be in the original Children of the Corn film in the third film, I guess. The last little bit on Children of the Corn that I want to talk about is the fact that the original director's cut, the original initial cut of the film, was much longer. I don't know if that would have improved or not improved anything. It would be nice to finally see that come to light someday. I wouldn't hold my breath, I'm assuming with this being a low-budget film, a lot of those elements are probably destroyed or missing somewhere. But it really would be nice to see an alternate version of this film to see if it would be better or worse than what we received. Overall, it's impressive to me, for one, that Children of the Corn has so many sequels. I'm not surprised that this is still an enduring Stephen King adaptation, even if you have to sit through a little bit of a kind of boring setup to make your way to the more entertaining parts of the film. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. There you can catch up on all the 31 Nights of Frights episodes, including previous years, as well as my actual year-round podcast, Adam Analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can contact me at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to make new content. But with that being said, be kind and good night. I will see you back here for night number 12.